welcome to the Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 6, Episode 7, A Study in the Book of Jeremiah. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the Gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this episode, we begin Jeremiah chapter 4, where God continues his appeal for Israel to return to him and then describes an invasion coming from the north, the invasion of Judah by Babylon, an immense disaster. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 18. And yes, my voice is a little hoarse from yelling too much at American football games. So forgive me today, but let's go to Jeremiah 4, verses 1 through 18. If you return, O Israel, declares the Lord, to me you should return. If you remove your detestable things from my presence and do not waver, and if you swear as the Lord lives in truth, in justice, and in righteousness, the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. Declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, Blow the trumpet through the land. Cry out and say, Assemble and let us go into the fortified cities. Raise a standard towards Zion. Flee for safety. Stay not, for I bring disaster from the north and great destruction. A lion has gone up from his thicket. A destroyer of nations has set out. He has gone out from his place to make your land a waste. Your cities will be ruins without inhabitant. For this, put on sackcloth, lament, and wail. For the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. In that day, declares the Lord, courage shall fail both king and officials. The priest shall be appalled, and the prophets astounded. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, surely you have utterly deceived this people in Jerusalem, saying, It shall be well with you, whereas the sword has reached their very life. At that time, it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem, A hot wind from the bare heights in the desert toward the daughter of my people, not to winnow or cleanse. A wind too full for this comes for me, and now is I who speak in judgment upon them. Behold, he comes up like clouds, his chariots like the whirlwind, his horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are ruined. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from evil that you may be saved. How long shall your wicked thoughts lodge within you? For a voice declares from Dan and proclaims trouble from Mount Ephraim. Warn the nations that he is coming. Announce to Jerusalem, besiegers come from a distant land. They shout against the cities of Judah. Like keepers of a field are they against her all around, because she has rebelled against me, declares the Lord. Your ways and your deeds have brought this upon you. This is your doom, and it is bitter. It has reached your very heart. All right, back to verses 1 and 2. If you return, O Israel, declares the Lord, to me you should return. If you remove your detestable things from my presence and do not waver, and if you swear as the Lord lives in truth and in justice and in righteousness, the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. As we looked at a last episode where God was calling his people to repent and return to him, so we see in the first four verses of chapter 4 a call to repentance. 
God wants his people to turn from the wicked ways that they followed and return to him. We read in Amos 5.4, For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. If the people in Judah under the current godly king Josiah truly had repented, then they needed to remove the detestable things from his presence and not waver in doing so. What they must do is swear an oath to the Lord that he is the only living God, and by their faithfulness other nations then would be blessed. They were still trying to serve both idols and God, and God is telling them that that doesn't work. They need to put away and fault those things and follow him alone. They needed to commit to God and serve him with truth, justice, and righteousness. They needed to literally destroy the physically destroy the idols that they worshipped, that they placed above God. They needed to press to eliminate those idols from their lives and trust God completely. Then again, after that, swear an allegiance to God, their creator. This formula does not change through the ages. God is still asking people to put away anything between themselves and God, get rid of it, and then commit to him. That is the process of repentance. Verse 3 says, For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. This direct message to the men of Judah and Jerusalem was to metaphorically plow the unused ground and sow good seed. No one planted good seed, throws it on hard ground, nor do they sow thorns or thistles when they have good ground. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 7:15, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. The express need here was to break up the hard, unrepentant ground, their spiritual ground of their lives, and sow seeds of righteousness. Serving idols is farming the wrong spiritual soil. In James 1.19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness, here it is, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. The implanted word on good spiritual soil. The words of God will not germinate in us today without cultivating our hearts and being receptive to God's word. Verse 4 says, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. God wants his people to repent and turn and destroy the idols that they have made. But here in verse 4, it's also a stark warning against God's wrath. The example here is about circumcision. It is a prescribed ritual 
for God's covenant people. However, what is meant here is not a physical procedure, but a circumcision of the heart. And Paul explains that very easily and very well in Romans 2.25. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have written the code and circumcision but to break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So this is more than an outward mark. More than an outward mark is going to be required if Judah and Israel were to be identified as God's people. Something radical needed to happen in the lives of God's people, a change of heart. The heart being the totality of one's will and emotions. Loving God with your heart is the essence of faith. We read in Mark twelve twenty eight, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. The lack of a changed heart leads to disobedience, which will eventually lead to God's wrath, which is, as we read here, an unquenchable fire. That segues into the announcement of this coming invasion from the north. This announcement gets to be graphic and dramatic. In verse 5, Declare to Judah, and proclaim in Jerusalem, and say, Blow the trumpet through the land, cry aloud, and say, Assemble, and let us go into the fortified cities. Raise a standard toward Zion, flee for safety, stay not, for I bring disaster from the north, and great destruction. Danger is coming from the north, and that is clear in the imperatives in these two verses. One is to blow the trumpet. That is the use of the shofar the ram's horn. It was used as a warning or to awaken the people for holy days. But here it is being used as a warning as much as a tornado or tsunami siren warning would be to us today. Here the people were to assemble and flee to the fortified cities for protection and defense. There would also be a signal banner that could be seen from long distances to rally the people to a place. The warning is to prepare for war. God hates the idol worship and the sin of his people, 
And now God is allowing the consequences of that behavior to come to Judah to ultimately change his people by fire to learn to honor God. This is the reality of Jeremiah's ministry for 40 years. God is bringing destruction, and the people don't care. And the other prophets are saying nothing about it or saying the wrong things about it. Verse 7 says, A lion has gone up from his thicket. A destroyer of nations has set out. He has gone out from his place to make your land a waste. Your cities will be ruins without inhabitants. For this put on sackcloth, lament and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. In that day, declares the Lord, courage shall fail, both king and officials. The priests shall be appalled, and the prophets astounded. Like a predatory lion, a destroyer of nations has set out that will lay waste to Judah and Jerusalem. God, through Jeremiah, was telling them to put on the signs of mourning, sackcloth, then wail and lament. Even though Jeremiah is warning of the coming destruction, the kings, the officials, the priests and prophets will be shocked and appalled that such a thing could possibly happen. God had been warning them for centuries, literally centuries, and they had ignored the warnings. The outcome was certain. Nebuchadnezzar, as king of Babylon, was motivated by greed and political power, but God was about to use him to punish his people. Verse 10 says, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, surely you have utterly deceived this people in Jerusalem, saying, It shall be well with you, whereas the sword has reached their very life. At that time it will be said to these people and to Jerusalem, A hot wind from the bare heights and the desert toward the daughter of my people, not to winnow or cleanse, a wind too full for this comes for me, comes from me, now it is I who speak in judgment upon them. We see that Jeremiah interjects here in verse 10. Is Jeremiah accusing God of deceiving the people? I don't think so. Because in context, he seems to be quoting the false prophets. Throughout the book of Jeremiah, the false prophets had continually rejected Jeremiah's prophecies. Nothing will happen to them as they will always be protected by God. But this ignored all the warnings and covenants they made with God that included this form of punishment if they forsook him. The false prophets were preaching peace, but the results would be a sword. These false claims would lead to a sword reaching the very life of the deniers. God is not the source of confusion here. But with the mixed messages the people heard, this was leading to confusion, but they preferred to listen to the message of peace and then go on and do as you want and not the message of repentance or destruction. The enemy coming is a hot wind coming that will scorch and destroy everything in its path, much like a Scirocco that most of the region were familiar with, but much, much worse. Verse 13 through 18, Behold, he comes up like clouds, his chariot like the whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are ruined. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from evil that you may be saved. How long shall your wicked thoughts lodge within you? For a voice declares from Dan and proclaims trouble from Mount Ephraim. Warn the nations that he is coming. Announce to Jerusalem, besiegers come from a distant land. They shout against the cities of Judah. Like keepers of a field are they against her all around, because she has rebelled against me, declares the Lord. Your ways and your deeds have brought this upon you. This is your doom, and it is bitter. 
and has reached your very heart. Even though destruction is rapidly approaching, the call for repentance was still valid. Look at verse 14. Wash your heart from evil so that you may be saved. How long were Judah to hold on to their wicked thoughts? And then we go back to the coming disaster as the tribe of Dan, who sided with Judah, is further north than Jerusalem. They will see what is coming first. The disaster is coming because Judah has rebelled and continued to rebel against God. The army of Nebuchadnezzar would surround and siege Jerusalem. This was brought on Judah by their own actions and deeds. The defeat will be so bitter that it will touch Israel's heart in the very place where God tried to touch with his love. In our next episode 8 of season 6, we will continue in Jeremiah 4, where Jeremiah gives an anguished response to the announcement to the pronouncement of destruction from God. Jeremiah loved his people, and the response from them was an accusation of treason for a harsh message of condemnation. I hope you'll follow season 6 as we continue to follow the career of Jeremiah and the history around his ministry. Biblical Tapestry is available on Facebook and Instagram, and I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you have discovered something encouraging and informative about God's Word. May God bless you this day, and next time, my voice should be better. <laughs>